0: Hello, Clive to Carl, and I'm very happy to welcome back Kerry Rivera, who is my favorite person in the field of autism, one of my favorite people in the world. (laughs) So uh, Kerry, uh, what's been going on since we last spoke? Because clearly you're going to have experienced a lot of successes with your clients and so on. Tell, Tell us about it, if you would.
1: Well, great to be with you again, Clive, and the feeling is mutual. So, I mean, I would say every year something dawns on me and I, and I say dawns on me because it's probably not even the right way to say it, but something new comes into my orbit. So it's something, and in the last few years, one of the biggest changes that I would say that I've made was implementing uh, a glutamate free diet. Glutamate is a very big problem and nobody has talked about it since the book was written in 1997 by Russell Blaylock, Dr. Russell Blaylock called excitotoxins a taste that kills. I'm sure you've heard of it, but you know, in the last 25, 30 years, nobody's really talked about it since he did. And I think one of the reasons is, is that so many parents are resistant to making more changes in diet. But what I find is the children are self-selecting foods that cause damage to the brain because they get, it's kind of like, I guess, having a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. Like there's some stimulant effect from those foods and the kids are self-selecting foods that are problematic. Almost every time I sit down with a family and they say, oh, I'm doing gluten-free, casein-free. And of course I say, well, what are you giving? What are you eating? What is the child eating? Invariably, tomato-based foods, bananas, um, uh, berries, all these high glutamate foods. And it's extremely problematic because it causes an excitotoxic effect in the brain and it causes brain damage. So the last thing these kids need is more brain damage. Um, Some other things that I started working with recently like the last couple of years is methylene blue, which fixes broken mitochondria of which pretty much everybody has it these days or one in two people wouldn't get diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime or have one in 24 with autism. Another one that I started uh, using, and I think you know my friend Chip Paul, he recommended berberine to me. Berberine is extremely interesting, and I'd never even heard the word berberine until uh, 2023. And what he was saying to use berberine for was to keep the bacteria from hijacking the cell. So when we're dealing with autism, we're almost always dealing with strep, which is known as PANDAS. Uh, it's a pediatric autoimmune neural disorder associated with streptococcal infection, which is a bacteria and it's a bad bacteria. It causes all those nasty behaviors. So when we're looking at autism, and it's like it's just a term, I don't even like the term because so I think it's inappropriate. I don't think it's correct, but we're going to just call it autism for now. But it looks to me like every child in 2023, or at least almost every child who has an autism diagnosis has this strep, which is known as PANDAS. And that's where you're getting this resistant ODD, OCD type behavior. Because like a t- traditionally autistic child of which my son was, um, totally indifferent. Like, you, you, he could get lost. He would just, you know, wander away. Like, he was not over the top about anything. And then you see what we're looking at today. Very different set of circumstances. As we were looking at 20 years ago, my child was diagnosed with autism. Of course, like I said, I feel like this is, you know, letting the pharmaceutical off the hook by by calling it that but anyway still we're going to go ahead and just keep saying what everybody else is saying but but bacteria is a big problem and that's why i think berberine is also extremely useful uh, in 2020 i started using what's called structured alkaline silver and the difference between that and colloidal silver is that it comes out of the body in 12 hours 99 percent of it leaves the body the same day that you take it with, with colloidal silvers and the other silvers, they're going to stay behind to a certain point. They are acid, they're not alkaline, and this is alkaline. And I had E. coli this summer. So about five months ago, I got this terrible diarrhea, I felt just terrible. And then of course I went after I couldn't figure it out myself because I didn't know what to do and I couldn't do anything fast enough. And so uh, I was, you know, oh, you, you," you—they didn't even do proper testing, which is, you know, totally common. They don't do the proper testing. They should have done a a culture test, and they didn't do the culture. So it was just a regular stool test, of which you don't really see anything besides a couple pluses for parasites, a couple pluses for bacteria. So they're like, okay, take this antibiotic, take this uh, anti-parasitic, of which I know, and you're probably going like, you're so stupid. Why would you do that? Because at the, at the moment that I'm doing it, I'm absolutely like flat on my back. I can't do anything. I'm trying to get the CD in as much as I can, the black seed oil, like nothing is helping me. And I think I'm throwing it in, you know, just kind of willy nilly, helter skelter, desperate. So uh went to see a friend who's a, he's a medical doctor with a hospital, but he also does alternative treatments. So I was kind of dabbling in both. And well, at some point, maybe two months later after I saw three or four different doctors and I had a whole bunch of antibiotics, my gut totally destroyed, still terrible diarrhea. And um, I was talking to my partner and he says to me, well, why don't you try the silver? I mean, you're using it for the kids. So I said, okay. So I started to, but I started to use like a like a squeeze in the mouth. It's, it's a squeeze bottle. So I was taking about 30 mils every hour. And I just did this three weeks ago. So now this has been going on since the end of June and we're now the end of November. So beginning of November, I was still dealing with diarrhea. Now I didn't have any E. coli because I did another culture test and that was totally gone, but I still had this bowel situation. Uh, And so I started to take it every hour. Well, by by the end of the 48 hours, the first 48 hours, everything was fine. And now I just, you know, I have it sitting on my desk, but I only take maybe... Like today, I took one squirt this morning after I brushed my teeth and I might take another one, but I, now I'm just taking it like here and there. And I was just out of town for a couple of days, didn't take it at all. So, you know, it's one of those things where I still think that we can, you know, solve situations. Uh, and, and I'm not really even sure what that was, but the nice thing about the silver is that it goes in this end and comes out the other end without changing form. And I think that that's another one of the situations where like we might take maybe black seed oil, we might take CD or whatever, but by the time it gets to the other end where the colon is large intestine, we don't have that same power anymore. So learning stuff on my own self or my own house my own family, I think has been you know, very, very interesting, you know, cause I don't, I, I have to say that I have been largely healthy, you know, knock on wood, right. My whole life. So I can't say, oh, well, you know, when I had irritable bowel or when I had, you know, whatever, thankfully I haven't had those things, but I did have the situation. And of course, most of the people who I work with have bowel issues, gut issues, you know, mostly, every, it doesn't matter if they're still the parents of the child that I'm working with, or, you know, some adult that found me and said, Hey, do you work with adults? And so we start talking about the gut, the guts are always messed up. Our bowels are always messed up. Did we have too much glyphosate in our food? We didn't eat enough organic food or, you know, or, or the foods that we're eating, you know, that's another thing that I just did with somebody else the other day. They're like, yeah, my daughter still has bloated belly and, and doesn't have autism, but she's like 16 with like all kinds of gut issues. And so I said, take out everything and just give, you know, one day chicken one day fish and don't do them on the same day because you want to say okay this 24-hour period is going to be only chicken and then the next 24-hour only fish and what other foods do you eat if she eats uh say uh, avocado let's just say okay you could have your avocado with your fish because she was tolerant to that that would be okay because i think a whole day of avocado would be way too much but that way we can see where the problems lie and we have to look at everybody as an individual and some stuff, you know, I have some parents that financially can't do an entire protocol. So I want to pick and choose. Like when I have a parent that says to me, you know, I live in Peru, you know, my husband just lost it. This happened the other day, actually uh, family, the Argentina, Peru, I forget it was somewhere in South America. Husband just lost his job. She's like, I got like a hundred dollars a month that I can spend on treatment. So I'm, I, I said to her, "What can you find locally? Can you go to your Mercado Libre, which is kind of like an Amazon in Latin America? Can you go there? Can you go to alternative food?" Uh, places like you know they usually have some sort of like an imported store you know where they have like import stuff organic stuff you know what can you find locally because that would of course you know you're now dealing with a local market economically instead of an international market based in dollars or euros or pounds or something like that so um, I've also been able to make protocols that fit people, not just what is your diagnosis and what do you need, but what can you afford? And that's a very real thing as we're ending 2023, going to 2024, you know, our, I think our economic uh, stability is, is, is affecting everybody, even those who are, you know, pretty economically sound, uh, people still have to watch, but a lot of people have lost their jobs or their businesses. So, you know, how can you help that person heal on a budget, but it's totally doable because you just have to pick the most important things. And then, you know, like the other thing is some of the products, like, you know, you have the homeic fulvic as well. Those products can last a long time, especially when you're dealing with kids. You know, with an adult, you would probably say, you know, a full dose of that would be, you know, it's basically a bottle a month. But let's say you've got a budget, cut it in half, take it once a day. Something is still better to have consistently in your in your body than it is to have, you know, one, one month flooded and then two months nothing, you know, we can still play with it. I mean, there's the ideal situation, which is get yourself healed and then go on with your life and maybe three to six months. And if you're really hitting it, but let's say you don't have the income, it's not happening. You know, you have to eat. That's important. Have to pay the rent, have to keep the lights on. And then what's left over. There's a lot of that happening now. So I think also picking the things like, for example, humic fulvic or black seed oil, I mean, they just, there's nothing that they don't do. You know, when you look at the list of things that they do, you're like, got to have that. Or like the berberine, there's 90 soft gels. Well, you can take one a day, you can take two a day, but these are all going to be anti-inflammatory, anti-pathogenic, they're going to be protection against bacteria. And Dr. Stephanie sent uh, Dr. Stephanie sent, Dr. Judy Mikovitz the other day was on, I think she was on Alex Jones. I forget who I was watching her on the other day, but she was saying that um, HIV is lying. And so we could say, you know, then maybe Lyme is HIV, but these are bacteria parasites. So you want to get in your, you know, you maybe your CDCDS, your black seed oil, your berberine, your homic fulvic, the structured silver. So there's certain things you want to get in and then maybe just use them in lower doses. So those are some of the things that I've been dealing with uh, more recently, you know, in the last like year ish. Like I said, the methylene blue was about a year and a half ago and Burberry was definitely this year. But that having to pick and choose what I can use based on what you can get locally in your your economy and what people can afford. Because a lot of people really are pretty hard hit by what's happening in the economy right now. Everywhere. It's not just like, oh, only in South America, only in everywhere. Americans, I work with a lot of Americans and they're having a hard time making ends meet.
0: It's, uh, a crazy situation. No. Um, I've also been using some of the substances you mentioned, uh, berberine I take from time to time because it's good for type one. Diabetics. Um, methylene blue, I've been using a lot and my teeth, the teeth and tongue have been a lovely shade of blue. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's very interesting. I've had a lot of results from clients using methylene blue. Um, I think probably the thing that most people have said they noticed most was clearer thinking.
1: Absolutely. And it's not expensive, which is another thing I like about methylene blue. And people will say to me sometimes, especially with their kids, they'll say, Well, I don't really see a difference. Because it's not like something I had one kid start talking with it. So I I have seen, you know, improvements in some of the autistic symptoms. But I would say overall, it's fixing us at a at a at a a cellular level so it's not necessarily something like that you might necessarily see something outward you might not see it but you have to know that it is fixing some of our damage inside and again if one in two people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime which is a autoimmune disease then we would say they need to have the mitochondria fixed because a broken mitochondria is the only way that you can get those kind of things like autism or cancer
0: um just like uh, is it autism or is it the result of something else?
1: Well, uh, yeah, but that's what this uh, label thing is. Yeah, is well, exactly. That's a label thing. I, uh, I agree with you. That's one of the word. best
0: labels that the doctors have come up with is autoimmune. So rather than saying right. drug damage or whatever, well, your body is rebelling okay. against you for some reason. Your liver doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> you know, it hates you. In fact, it quite detests you. It's gone rogue, and we've got to deal with it. You know. <laughs> I mean, so I don't believe autoimmune yeah. exists, actually, but it's yeah. a very convenient yeah. term for the doctors yeah. to use.
1: Yeah. Well, we t- I try to, to use the words people use. Otherwise, you know, you take yourself so far out there like, okay, she's gone totally rogue. But I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I I totally disagree with the label autism. I mean, if you look it up, it, it, it has nothing to do with what happened to our kids. You know, I, my child was perfectly fine. And they look at you like, oh, yeah, you know, like poor kid was born like that. My son was perfect was fabulous he was amazing he was super sharp not even sharper than his brother you know I mean sharper than his typical four-year-old or brother you know just and then then he went out well what happened you know I didn't know that vaccines were bad and and of course what do we do and and i see the same thing you know i think to myself okay this is 20 years later that my son was diagnosed with autism and you know i'd like to stand on the top of you know the himalayas and yell to everybody don't vaccinate god knew what he was doing the immune system can take care of anything you know we don't need this we made it all these millions of years without them now why do we need them but it, but the same thing happened to me 23 years ago when my 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 second child when my last child was born and you know, he was born and I went literally from the OBGYN to the pediatrician and she said, see you in 10 days. So I did, you know, and then that, that just started like that. And of course the pediatrician might be the first like friend of the mother, like, you know, that's the only person we see for like 40 days, you know, besides being in the house with the baby and whatever, you know, whatever that entails. But we, so we don't think outside the box. And again, 23 years ago, we didn't have there was no such thing as social media. There were no such thing really as smartphones or you know any of that kind of stuff. So there was really nothing. There was just a book called, you know what to expect when you're expecting. So I, I do believe now there's a lot more information, but I still think most of us as women, we go to the OBGYN for nine months, we go have that baby in the delivery room, we see that pediatrician and that becomes the next person. So for the next, what, three years from the nine months that we're pregnant and then those first two years of life, we're not seeing other people. We're not looking for other options. We believe those people because those are good people. They're helping us. And I don't believe that those people are really in on it either. I think that they've also read the propaganda and that's what they read. You know, they, they, they obviously their online associations and your association of pediatrics, your association of, of, um, you know, OBGYNs, they're sending you the stuff, you know, like make sure that all your Pregnant patients get their their uh, influenza and their COVID jabs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. But, you know, imagine like that's what they're being told. And of course, many of them have even taken the jabs themselves. So like they actually, there are believers. They're not all, you know, I don't believe that they're all against us. I, I think that some of them really, and most of them, I personally believe that they believe what they're told because they went through that indoctrination, which doesn't make them bad people. I mean, they're, they're you know they're. I think that most people go into medicine really just to help people. I don't think that they've gone in with a you know a ulterior motive, but that still brings us moms or families into a, a difficult situation because we're not getting outside information. We're still uh, being fed that what the, what the doctors are telling us, and we're not looking into it on our own. I've had people tell me, Oh, I found you because I heard really bad things about you. And then I investigated and I got interested in my, you now my kids doing really well, but like, that's still few and far between most people hear, you know, about me, for example, or chlorine dioxide, and, and they hear all this bad stuff and they, you know, and they, they run the other way. That's pretty common, or they're told by their, you know, their doctors who they believe And they're doing like what I did the exact same thing. I went to see my pediatrician and then I, you know, got all those jabs and then my son, you know, started to lose his eye contact and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we just keep trying, you know, it'd be really nice if there was an end to that, but it doesn't look like we're going to be able to, you know, do that top down change.
0: Well, we'll see. Um, Right at the beginning, when you were talking about um, uh, parasites, uh, and you're saying, well, the child is choosing the diet. Is it the child choosing it or is it the parasite controlling their brain choosing yeah, it?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. It's that desire. It wants the, the pathogens need to stay alive. So they're going to send that child for certain types of foods or with the glutamate, for example. I mean, they're just the ones that make them they, they feel loopy. They they want it. They ask for it. If they if they're verbal, they ask for it. Otherwise they go, you know, steal it or take it or get it somehow. Just like a drug addict, I don't see any difference in when you hear about you know people that are you know used to steal for the money to get their drugs and this kind of type of thing or you know what's happening with the fentanyl and all these addictions and stuff like that. I see no difference in the kids. If the, if you give them the option of what to eat, they're not going to pick something that doesn't make their brain you know dance and cause harm.
0: So um, in Europe and the UK if we go to the artificial glutamates monosodium glutamate there are now 130 words which apply so yeast powder natural flavoring 130 innocuous words that that are legally describing monosodium glutamate so um with the glutamate foods do you want to just run through the main the main ones you mentioned Tomatoes. Yeah,
1: the main ones that I see most of the kids addicted to is everything from a tomato base, whether it's an organic ketchup or it's uh, a marinara sauce with tomatoes, or just tomatoes themselves. Bananas are uh, all the citrus, all the berries. Um, uh, and then of course, I w- broccoli, most people will tell me, oh, you know, my, my kid, he loves, he loves broccoli. It's like, of course he does because it's really high in glutamate. That's why people are always so surprised that the kids like, you know, we've always heard that broccoli is really good for you. Well, if you don't have a leaky gut, it's fine. But, you know, then again, who are those people who don't have leaky guts? I would say most everybody living today, especially if you've not been eating, a, you know, a, 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 an organic diet we're you know, causing all kinds of damage to our bodies. And one of the things that's also important to understand that even if you're a relatively healthy person, when I say relatively healthy, that's such a vague term, because I think that a lot of us have uh, a leaky gut. I think that, the, and especially as we get older, we have a leaky gut. And if we're eating a high glutamate diet, glutamate itself and foods, even if they're not packaged foods, even if they're naturally occurring like bananas, citrus, berries, broccoli, the, and, and such, or tomatoes, it pokes holes in the blood brain barrier. So that is allowing the passage of the glutamate into the brain, which causes an excitotoxic effect and damages the brain neurons, causing brain damage. But again, these foods that are high in our diet that are actually reaching the blood-brain barrier to poke the holes in the blood-brain barrier are leaving the gut because most people have leaky gut. Actually, I'm, I'm, I've got some books coming out in the next uh, next few weeks. And I was just rereading one, one part of one of the books about, about the, the low glutamate diet. And it, it's, it's very interesting how damaging that glutamate is to the body. And of course, who you know, who, who's healthy? Because there was actually one of the sentences in there. It's about like, well, healthy people can tolerate glutamate, but who's healthy? You know, I mean, you and I might say, well, well, you know, I don't have something active that I know about and, you know, I sleep well and I feel good and I have, you know, my energy is good, but we don't know if we have leaky gut. And, you know, as we reach, you know, I'll be 60, you know, we're in our, that period of our, our, you know, the golden years, as they say, most of us would have probably a leaky gut. So should we watch those foods? Absolutely. We should watch those foods because we don't really know, but I would say, most people do and of course taking the humic fulvic, which i know you you have at your at your store that really does help to seal the leaky gut and then you don't have to worry so much about it but if somebody has a, a label diagnosis of you know any of the above that we've talked about so far there's leaky gut for sure
0: so would glutamine fix the glutamate issue
1: feeds bacteria actually It's actually a really big problem. And and what I'm finding is some of these doctors, I swear they just like read the first paragraph and go, oh, this is good. Uh, But actually, that L-glutamine would be okay if you didn't have bacteria. But again, everybody who's got an autism label diagnosis or an autoimmune label diagnosis, they're gonna have high levels of bacteria and that would be then feeding the bacteria so wanna get away from that. There's another doctor in the States who, oh, God. It's unbelievable what he's doing. He's giving kids rifaximin, which is an antibiotic, and he gives it to them for years on end, which the kids are just damaged beyond imagine. And then the other thing that he's doing is he's giving this L-glutamine. And so the combination is just so toxic and so terrible. And I just want to, you know, stand on a rooftop and say, don't do that. It's like, oh, I'm doing X protocol. The guy even wrote a book, if you can imagine um and and so many people do it because it's very easy to follow there's like maybe four pills and you don't have to do diet he's like oh diet doesn't matter so the kids he's like you know eat weed tells the parents to get their covid jab and stuff but p- parents are doing it as a biomedical intervention it's just um devastating to see what's happening
0: well that's crazy mm-hmm. um so um when you started taking the methylene blue, did did you notice something?
1: I did. I did. And actually, um, I started taking methylene blue in June of 2021. So. 2021, 2022, excuse me, June of 2022, 2022. So what I noticed was and you know, we we're still watching people die from the jab. And, you know, like there was still a lot of stuff going on. That was about a year and a half ago. Um, And still, there was a lot of, still more restrictions than there are today, for example. What I noticed was, since I don't have depression or fear or anxiety, which those, the methylene blue helps so much with that, but I did notice that I was just kind of overall more joyful. Like I just felt better overall because as you watch the world fall apart around you, I think it's very disheartening. Uh, to say the least, you know, uh, that is very, very disturbing. And with the methylene blue, I find that it just gives you the sense of well being. But physically, I didn't have any physicals to say that, like, uh, it helped me with a physical thing. But I definitely noticed that, and, and I have friends too, that I had some extra. I just had some in my shelf. And um, one of my friends, her mother passed away six months ago. And she was like, oh, I've just been so, you know, sad and depressed. And she's like a really, you know, bubbly, joyful person. I was like, well, I've got some stuff left in my cabin. I just happen to have like a half a bottle within seven days. She's like, because the way that I explain it to people is that it's not that like, for example, her mother passed away, her mother's gone. She had her mother for 58 years in her life and now her mother has passed away. So there's going to be this big void. There's no question about it, but. You can know like it, you know like you have something sitting on your shelf, like there's my lamp, it's on the shelf, it's over there. My lamp is there, I know it's there, but it's not affecting you like as if you were holding it in your hand, for example. And that's kind of how I see people that are suffering with depression, fear, and anxiety. It's like they're holding it in their hands, you know, like the like the statue of Liberty, like holding that torch in the hand. And this way, you put the torch down or you put the you know the, the grief down or whatever, and it's on a shelf. You can look over, you can see it, it's there, you can feel it, you can think it, but it doesn't, it doesn't capture your mind and your heart all day long so you can't function. And I think that that's the most important part because I've watched people commit suicide. I didn't watch them, but I mean, I uh, I had a friend whose daughter committed suicide and then another friend, my mother's son committed suicide. So there's people committing suicide more than there were before 2020, for example. So how can we help to stave off suicide or loneliness or depression or anxiety or fears? Cause some of the fears are even real fears. I mean, really when you see what's happening in the cities today i'm from chicago you know you know you've probably heard on the news and it's really pretty bad uh the, you know it just it's just changed a lot so when you think about those kind of things or like going home or visiting home or it's absolutely frightening but <laughs> the methylene blue helps you to put it into perspective. I mean, really, you know, people are walking down the street every day and they're not getting shot and beaten and all that kind of stuff. So you probably have a better chance of making it. But you know, if you let your fear get into your head, then all of a sudden we just stay home, you know, lo- you know, batten down the hatches and stay home, which also being by ourselves and not being around other people uh, further contributes to those feelings. And I think methylene blue is just a, very very cheap and easy fix you know be careful with your porcelain because it will stain um but i would just say that that's just one of the easiest things to do and especially because we're living in difficult times difficult times uh, uh, mentally difficult times and of course the mental will uh, eventually manifest in the physical so we got to be careful with that as well but i love methylene
0: blue I've been using about 40 drops a day, not every day. Cause I didn't do anything yeah. every day. And that seems to be effective,
1: right? You can take a little, or you can take a lot. I mean, not a lot, lot, but like for an adult, 25 drops, three times a day is more than sufficient.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. You, you mentioned feeling happy. The last time that I woke up feeling differently happy, like I used to was after a Quite a big dose of CDS, which I took because I got a tooth infection. I had my mouth looked like it had a tennis ball inside it, cool. and um, I tried all sorts of things that I knew about, from essential oils to colloidal silver to everything I could think of. But it was the CDS that really hit it. Uh, also, I would credit olive leaf tincture, that I think made quite a difference. And uh, yeah, then the methylene blue.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Do you ever use DMSO, a little DMSO? You
0: ever it use DMSO? It just tastes so horrible. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> like that garlicky taste, but I use DMSO eye drops. Uh, oh. So it's, it's supposed to be good for cataracts, uh, 20%. Wow. Yeah. How effective it is, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that either. But the, but all the, you know, these oxidative therapies are really useful for the eyes and cataracts and stuff like that. I've heard people that have done like ozone, you know, IV ozone and stuff like that, and their cataracts, you know, uh, shrunk.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder what would happen if you uh, blew ozone at the eyes, just gas right out of the generator
1: yeah i don't know probably probably useful though
0: I don't probably know.
1: useful all those oxidative therapies you know uh ozone chlorine dioxide and of course hyperbarics you know that's just the fantastic